Well, if you're a football fan, you might have noticed that sometimes the announcers will talk about what they call a point of emphasis. Anybody hear, hear him say that? A point of emphasis when it comes to the referees and how they call the game. And so each year, the referees are given these certain kind of points of emphasis, these things that they're supposed to focus on, like roughing the quarterback is a big one, right? And so you touch him with your little pinky, and no, I'm sorry, we won't go there. But, but this idea of they're, they're focusing on a couple of things, there's all kinds of rules, right, in the NFL, but the refs for that year are kind of focusing on a couple of things. So today, what I wanted to do is just take a couple of minutes to look at the six characteristics of a disciple, that's what we believe as, uh, at Rock Hill, there are six characteristics of, of, of a disciple, and look at each one, and I just want to share a point of emphasis, something that I'd like to challenge you to consider to think of, thinking about when, as we come into the new year. Now, like I said, I'm not a big New Year's re resolution person, but I do think that each new year it gives us an opportunity to stop and pause and just reflect for a little bit. Reflect about where we've been and reflect about where we want to be. And that's kind of what I want to do this morning is challenge us and encourage us to think about where we want to be, thinking about the future. And one of the things that we are about as a church is making disciples. That's why we exist. And so again, I'm just going to read it real quickly. This is Matthew 28. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He tells them, here's your charge. Go and make disciples of all nations. And go under my authority, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Now I'm sending you out to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So if you ask, would ask me, and this is something that comes from my just years of developing ideas and thoughts, um, if you ask me a definition of a disciple, it comes right from Matthew 28. And there were three things that I pointed out there, right? It says, go and baptize. That presumes that a person believes, right? You only get baptized after you believe. And so a, one of the characteristics of a disciple of Christ is that they're a believer. They believe in Jesus. And then it says, go and teach. And so the second characteristic of a disciple is that they are one who is a learner. They learn about Jesus. They learn from Jesus. And the final piece was that they were to go and obey. So for me, how I define a disciple of Christ is one who believes in Jesus, one who learns about Jesus, and ultimately one who obeys Jesus and follows him and does what he says. I can't do what he says, though, unless I know what he says, and that's where the learning part comes in. And it won't make any sense to me as I try to understand it until I put my faith in Jesus. So this all works together, faith, belief in Jesus first, then learning about him and from him through his word and through his spirit, and that ultimately leads to a life of faithfully following him. So that's my definition of, of a disciple. And then when we take that and expand that, there are six things that we believe that disciples do. If one is a disciple of, Je a disciple of Jesus, a disciple maker, but if one is a disciple of Jesus, these six things should be characteristic in their lives. And the first one is that they would be a worshiper, that they would be one who worships Jesus. If you are a, dis a disciple of Jesus, you're going to be one that wants to worship him. Listen to what John uh, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 says. This is Jesus himself speaking. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. 
Isn't that amazing? The Father is seeking people to worship him and those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him will worship both in their spirit but also with the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible. One of the things that can happen so easily for us, you guys, is we can create a God in our own image. You see the little twist there? We're created in God's image and then we turn around and we create a God in our image and we think about him like we want to think about him instead of according to the truth. And so this passage says to be a true worshiper of God, we have to worship him in spirit, with our spirit, but also with the truth of who he is and who he says he is. And the beauty of Christmas, right, that we just celebrated, was we get to know who Jesus is. God sent Jesus in our midst, and we get to see Jesus, and through Jesus, now we get to know God. So it's this beautiful picture of the truth, and the truth is Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So the first characteristic, or a characteristic, these aren't necessarily in order, of one who's a follower of Jesus is that they would be a worshiper, that they would worship him in spirit and in truth. They would want to know him, and they would want to be able to worship him. Like I said now, this this whole passage, or whole messages that could come from just that one concept. But here's my point of emphasis, and I, I don't want to be legalistic about this, but here's my point of emphasis for you this year. On the idea of being a worshiper, and again, there's so many things we could talk about. There are books and volumes of books. We'd have a sermon series that could last a year talking about what worship really looks like. Today, I'm just going to put the point of emphasis being on our corporate gathering of of worship. I simply want to ask you this. What is your plan for corporate worship for 2023? Now, you might be like I have been over the years, and you might be going like, well, I don't really have a plan. Guess what? That's usually what happens. We don't really have a plan, so we just kind of do whatever. Those of you who know me know that I'm not about legalism. I'm not about saying here's a bunch of rules that we have to follow. But I am going to suggest to you and encourage you to consider what is your plan for corporate worship when it comes to 2023. Because sometimes what we do is just whatever happens. I feel like going today, I'll go. I don't feel like going today, I won't go. Uh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. There's different things that just distract us really easy. And I just want to encourage you and call you to something higher in 2023. Actually have a plan. Typically, my family's plan in the past has been, now it's a little different because I'm back being a pastor, so I'm here, right? I'm here. I'm on vacation once in a while. But typically, our plan was if we were in town and we were healthy, we were going to be in corporate worship. Um, Yep, we're out of town sometimes, and I get that, and I'm not trying to tell you how often to go on vacation and go out of town. That's not what I want to do this morning. I'm not trying to tell you that you should come even when they're, you know, sick and you got 102. Actually, we're going to ask you not to come, okay, when you're feeling like that. But to have some sort of idea of what is my commitment to the corporate gathering, the corporate part of worship. God is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, and there's lots of different ways that we worship. And there's a lot of different ways that we can worship. And I, So I'm big on lifestyle worship, worshiping the Lord through all kinds of different ways that we do things. But today I'm just talking about our corporate gathering. And I just want to call you to, to that idea of what's your plan? What's your plan for corporate worship in 2023? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to invite you to have a plan as a disciple of Jesus to see the value of gathering together corporately and what's your plan for your life and your family when it comes 
to corporate worship. The second thing we believe as a, and I told you this is going to be a short and quicker message this morning, but the second thing that we believe a, a disciple of Jesus looks like is one who is part of a community or a family or a fellowship. And we call it family, that, that one is a part of the family and, and, and has those kinds of deep connections. Like the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, listen to the language he uses. Paul uses this language throughout the New Testament. I appeal to you, brothers... That's family kind of language. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no division among you, but that you'd be united in the same mind and the same judgment, that, that you would be connected with one another and united with the same kind of mind and thinking, the mind of Christ. And, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers. He, he wants us to think of it in that family kind of language, that this is more than just a group of people that get together. This is... This is family, that we believe disciples need to have deep connections and connections with one another because walking this journey on our own in the world we live in today isn't going to be the way that we're going to have, have victory as disciples. We need to have it with one another. We need to have connection and care and concern for one another. We need to be able to grieve with one another. We need to be able to rejoice with one another. We need to be able to, to support one another. We need to be able to come alongside and be united with one another when we're going through hard things, when we're having t times when maybe our minds are leading us away from being faithful disciples. And it's the body of Christ that comes alongside and says, come on back. And so we believe that a crucial part of being a disciple of Jesus is being in connection with one another. Now, some of you heard me share this before. Back in my younger days, in my early 20s, I used to think that it was more spiritual to just be me and God, right? Doesn't that seem more spiritual? Don't need anybody, just need Jesus, and just me and Jesus doing our thing? But then I began to realize that wasn't what God intended. God intended for us to be around community, to be around others, to have other people speak into our life. So my point of emphasis for this one, us being a family, us being brothers and sisters, as Paul talks about it, in Christ, is I want to challenge you and encourage you to consider being a part of a city group. At Rock Hill, where that happens the most is in city group. And so in 2023, I just want to encourage you, that they're on the back wall back there, you see the two bulletin boards back there, they're all of our different city groups. Now, just to kind of remind you how they work here at Rock Hill, we have two campuses, so some of our city groups have people that are primarily from one campus or the other. Some of our city groups are mixed and have people from both campuses. You can decide, but, and there's lots of reasons we choose a city group. Sometimes we choose it because it's in the neighborhood where we're living and we want something local. Sometimes we choose it because it's a group of friends that we know that are gathering together and maybe it's a farther drive and we drive past a couple other city groups, but we go there because there's a connection there. Maybe it's based on age group. There's all kinds of different reasons we choose which city group we're a part. But I do want you to know that that city group is where we find this part of family to, to the fullest degree at Rock Hill. Now, we do other things. We have a women's Bible study, men's Bible study. We have times like we had this morning where we gather for meals. We do those kinds of things. Now, my prayer is that you're also having friendships away from all of that, that you're inviting people to your house, that you're gathering together and doing different kind of fun things together so we're connecting as family. But the city group is the primary place that in our design as a church where you can do that and find that connection. 
We just started a brand new one here at Chester Park. Um, the Warfields have started one that just got going. If you're looking for one and haven't been connected to a city group, I invite you to check out the Warfields. Um, Aaron and Jay are part of a city group that Jay co-leads and the Allens co-lead. Um, let's see what Carl's got one going now too. That's back there. And then who am I missing? Uh, ours is going on on Sundays. Yeah, my wife is back there going, yeah, don't forget. <laughs> and there are other city groups, but we just want to encourage you to consider being part of a city group because that's where the family connection, we believe, is really going to happen. The third one is that a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is a servant, will serve as Jesus served. I have a different passage for that today, and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is what I'm really hoping and desiring to see happen in 2023 here at our campus. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we have all been baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My point of emphasis for 2023 is I really want to help you and encourage you to do this. And I want to provide opportunities for you to do this. And that is to figure out what your spiritual gifts are and match them to the needs of the church. For you to know, and, and, and if you don't know this, I, I just want to encourage you with this today. You have been spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit with special gifts. Gifts to serve the church. It's pretty awesome. Most of the time, in my experience, people don't know what their gifts are. They've not considered it. Now, some of you know, and you've had enough experience in life, and you know what your gifts are, and you're using them. Others are like, man, what? I got a spiritual gift? I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve the church? So what I want to do in 2023, and I want to encourage you to do, is to be considering what are the spiritual gifts that God has given you, spiritual empowerments that he's given you supernaturally through the Holy Spirit to serve his church. And then to figure out how do I match those gifts with the needs of the church so that I can use my gifts to serve. I, I have a passion and a desire to see you serving in meaningful places and places that you go, hey, I want to do that. I'm gifted that way, and I want to be a part of that. Now, real quickly, here, here's the difference. Here's, here's how I like to help people see the difference between my spiritual gifts and my natural abilities. One of my favorite guys, his name was Jim. Jim was a big guy. Not our Jim here. <laughs> Another Jim. Uh, but Well, Jim's one of my favorite guys here, too. But <laughs> this dude, back at my first church, his name was Jim. We called him Big Jim because he was a really big guy. Big Jim was a, was a master carpenter. And of course, when Jim came to church, what did we all want Jim to do? Fix stuff. Jim, door's broke, can you fix the door? Jim, window's broke, can you fix the window? Now, Jim could do all that because Jim had the skill to do all that, right? He was trained. You know what Jim loved to do and what he was gifted to do? To teach fifth and sixth grade Sunday school class. Kids loved Jim teaching Sunday school class because he was fun, he loved doing it, Holy Spirit had given him that gift. Now, he had this natural ability to fix stuff, but he had the spiritual gift to teach the Bible. Now, we were just talking about being social studies teachers. I don't think Jim could go teach social studies, all right? <laughs> he, he didn't have the gift of teaching like that. He had the gift to teach kids the Bible. 
all right? And now if I could just pick on you for a second, going to school to be a social studies teacher, what do you suppose we're going to ask him to do? Well, you should go work with a youth group, <laughs> right? And he might be like, I'm working with kids all the time. I don't want to work with a youth group. I'd like to come fix the door because I have the gift of helps. You see that we have natural abilities and then we have spiritual gifts, things that God has empowered us with to serve the church. Now, often they go together. My friend Jim did have the gift of helps as well. So he did work on the church at times. But if that's all we had him do, he would have been frustrated and discouraged because he had the gift to teach. If you have the, the skill to teach social studies, you might also be gifted to teach the Bible in Sunday school, but you also might be spiritually gifted to come and fix things, and that would empower you, and that would give you joy and encouragement. You see, God has called his people to serve now we just have to figure out what our giftedness is and how do we use that to serve. And then when we do that, we find a meaningful place to serve, we're going to enjoy it. And we're going to like what we're doing. And so, in 2023, my point of emphasis simply is this. What is your spiritual gifts and where do they match the needs of the church? The fourth thing we believe as disciples is that we're called to witness, that we're called to share our faith we're called to tell other people about Jesus. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is calling us to be a light, to be a witness. You know, Pastor Kyle always says it like this, and I really appreciate how he says this. He goes, you know, we don't do a lot of advertisement as a church you don't see us on billboards. You don't see us out there with stickers on our cars. That We don't do that. Not that that's a problem. We just don't do that because he says our advertisement is right here. Our people are the people that are going to do this work. We don't do a lot of big outreach events. Why? Because we expect you to be doing outreach as you're living out your life and connecting with the people that you work with and the people that are your neighbors and how Rock Hill has grown. Okay, so we had, we've, our peak attendance through both campuses has been over 600 people. How has that happened when it just started 15 years ago with 40 people? People have shared the gospel with people. <laughs> and Pastor Kyle will tell you it wasn't because they had all kinds of great events that drew all those people in. It was because our people were out ministering and connecting and building relationships with the people in their circles of influence. So my point of emphasis for this year is I want to encourage you to prepare and learn a method of, to share your faith, to have actually a plan, something that you've prepared that you actually can use to share your faith when the opportunity arises. There's a lot of different methods out there, a lot of different things you can do I'm just encouraging you to consider being prepared. I love using the scriptures when I share the gospel. I have a method that I use that's just the scriptures. I've seen people sit for five minutes looking at a verse of the Bible. And as a social talker, verbal processor, it takes everything I have to keep my mouth shut and not say, are you having a problem with that verse? <laughs> Instead of letting the Holy Spirit just, and they look at that verse because it's hard. And they're wrestling in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden they say, I think it means this. And I go, yeah, I think that's it. And he goes, whoa, that's really hard. I had one guy say, 
I don't understand what the wages of sin is death. What does wages mean? I said, well, what does wages mean in your life? Well, it's what you earn. Whoa, <laughs> that's how he said it. It's what you earn. Whoa, what I earned was death. And I got him thinking. And the Bible did it all. I know other people that they prepare their testimony so they can share their journey of how they came to faith in Christ. Some of you know Lexi, who we just sent off as a graduate. Um, she moved back down to the cities. And when Lexi got baptized this summer, I said, Lexi, you know, usually when people get baptized, we ask them to share their testimony. And she goes, oh, I got two or three of those written. I can, I can do that. <laughs> and I just thought that was awesome. As a, as a student and going through the training with the navigators, she had written out her testimony in three different ways, still with the same truths, but just different pieces to it, so she could share her testimony with people. And I thought, wow, here's this college student with three different ways to share her faith with somebody when it came to that place where she could share her faith. So my point of emphasis for 2023, I pray that we would have ways to share our faith already thought through and planned so that when God brings somebody to us to share our faith, we'll be prepared and ready to do it. We're not going to do massive outreach events. But we do a massive outreach event every day. We send you out. I go out. We all go out and live out our faith in the real world with the people that God has put in our lives. Fifth is prayer. We believe a disciple of Jesus is committed to prayer. And one of the passages we looked at a few months back was James chapter 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. But here it is. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as at, at its working. The prayer of somebody who's following Jesus has great power. Do you know your prayers have great power? Your prayers are not just like, well, I, it's my prayer time. I guess I should be talking to God. Our prayers have power because we're talking to the living God. We're asking the living God to move and to do something. So my point of emphasis for this year, and I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to these, you guys, so you're going to hear them over and over again, is I'm going to challenge you to pray regularly for the members of your city group. I think that's one of the basic places we can bring it down from this big number of 100 to 120 people and bring it down to 10 or 12 and pray passionately that God would be at work in the lives of the people in our city group. And then pray that the people in our city group would have spiritual conversations. My city group, sometimes they smile at me and say, oh, man, because you're praying that we're going to share the gospel with people. I remember one person saying in city group, yeah, you prayed that, and I had two people come to me at work and want to talk about faith. <laughs> I said, awesome, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> right? Praying for one another, that we'd actually have opportunities to share our faith and have spiritual conversations with people. In our city groups, we know what's going on in people's lives so we can have opportunity to pray for real specific things. Now, if you're not a part of a city group, then I'm going to invite you to pick some people that you're going to be praying for, all right? And maybe even ask them, how can I pray for you this week? Because the prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of a follower of Jesus has great power. And we need to be, this year, just doubling down on our efforts to pray for one another and pray for God to do a great work in our lives and pray for opportunities for us to share our faith. And finally is lifelong learner. If I've lost you, come on back, because this is the most important one of all. Lifelong learner, that we are always learning, we are always growing in our faith. I've had the privilege of knowing Jesus for 53 years. I'm now telling you my age here, but um, for a long, long time. And I'm still learning about Jesus. And I'm still learning more and more about Jesus. Because we never arrive, we never get to that place where we can say, I don't need to learn anymore. 
we are always learning more and more about who Jesus is. Until we reach maturity in the faith. Listen to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. The knowledge of the Son of God, understanding who he is to the place that we can say we've reached some maturity. To the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. There is the fullness of Christ to know. We get a whole life to try to know him. And then we get to go to his presence so we can know him better face to face. But until that time, we believe that a disciple is one who is always learning, always growing. Now, there's all kinds of ways for us to do that. There's some classes that are going to be coming up in 2023, Bible studies, all of that. My special point of emphasis is simply this, you guys. I want to call you to renew your commitment to be daily in God's word. You might already have been there, and you might already be really faithful in God's word. I'm just going to call you to renew that in 2023. Here's the thing. If you don't remember anything else I said today, this is the most important thing. You cannot grow in your faith without being in God's word. It will not happen. You cannot know Jesus more unless you are in Jesus' word. It will not happen. And so I'm not wanting to guilt anybody. I just want to invite people. You always know, I say I'm a preacher of good news, right? Here's the good news. Jesus can be known, and he gave us his word so that we could know him, and we can know the way of salvation, and we can know the character and nature of God, and we can know how he wants us to live, but if I don't go here, I'm not going to know. It cannot happen. You cannot grow in your faith. You cannot know Jesus better without being in his word. So my call to you today is to renew your commitment to be daily in God's word, to be in it on a regular basis. It might be one verse a day. It might be one paragraph a day. It might be one chapter a day. It might be one book a day. (laughs) You can do that how the spirit of God is leading you. In our email communication this week, we're going to add some resources that you can use to get into God's word. But I'm just calling you to be in his word faithfully daily. Sometimes we think we have to cover lots of territory. And that's not the case. Reading the Bible in a year is a great goal. I do that. It's a great goal. That's not the only way to read the Bible. Sometimes I've taken the Bible a paragraph at a time. And one paragraph after another. Because the goal is knowing Jesus. Not covering lots of territory in the Bible. But I just want to leave you with that last piece. You cannot know Jesus deeper and more intimately without learning about who he is. And you can only do that through his word. I just plead with you. If if you want to do something that will help your pastor, you want to bless me, that's the way to do it. Be people of the word. Be people in God's word. And then my job is going to be way different, way easier. Now, I know that many of you are. I just want to call you to keep doing it. I would just like it to be 100% that we're all in it together, studying God's word, being lifelong learners, learning more about Jesus as we go, continuing to understand him more and more. All right. So my goal this morning was just to kind of remind us of the six things that we believe are characteristics of a disciple of Jesus. And then giving you a special point of emphasis to say, in 2023, I'm going to keep coming back to these things as your pastor. 
And I'm going to keep coming back to these things saying, hey, I, I just want to encourage you to consider them and to wrestle with them and to look at your life, to make some goals, to think about 2023 through the lenses of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And what is Jesus calling you to do? And I think he's calling all of us to follow him. What does that look like? I think these six things were the things that we can grow in and mature in. And these are what a disciple of Jesus looks like. The special points of emphasis, those are just things God's laid on my heart to challenge you with. And if you are part of our email list and uh, we send out a weekly email, a weekly update, um, these six things will be in there if you've been trying to keep, take notes or you're not a note taker. We'll send that out to you, and we'll give you those points of emphasis in those scripture passages. Now, as we close today, I think it's a good opportunity as we start the new year to remember what we're all about, and that's this, faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died on the cross. Our sins were placed on Christ. His righteousness was poured into us, and all that happened simply by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. However, it's just faith for us. Jesus took action, and his body was broken, and his blood was shed on our behalf.